On this episode, Chris and I are talking with Joe Valley, the best-selling author of the Exitpreneur's Playbook. And we're talking about, well, we, we structured it to talk about the five critical steps to negotiating with aggregators. Uh, but then we ended up talking about everything in talking with, in terms of selling your business. So well, you're getting a lot more value. <laughs> you get a lot more value than just the five uh, critical steps. And, and Joe was really, really fun to talk to. He's great. I'm, I'm no longer going to sell this by myself. If I, when I sell my Amazon business, it's going to be, I'm going to have somebody in my corner that's going to go through it and make sure I get the right valuation and the right dollar out and all that. Cause I don't want to do this by myself. So quietlight.com. They help you out. Quite like brokerage. They will help you out with that. Also, he's his book. Just go get his book. Twenty bucks. Yeah, we've all spent more. We've all spent worse. Like twenty bucks. Yeah, it is a great book, the Exitpreneur's Playbook. It's fantastic. You should go get it. And if you're at all remotely thinking about at some point, at any time in the future, selling your business, this is an episode you need to listen to. Let's jump into our interview with Joe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of Two Amazon Sellers in a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. And today, Chris and I are very excited to have our guest on with us, um, the author of the Exitpreneur's Playbook, which is a great name, by the way. Yeah. Joe Valley is on with us. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Listen. I'm the best-selling author. Don't downplay what I've done here. Oh, guys. yeah. I got a best-selling author. I, best I hit best-seller in seven categories. I'm kind of a big deal. This is what I tell my kids. They like, yeah. that. Shut up. <laughs> they don't buy it at all. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. That's fantastic. You got to call yourself the best-seller. Yeah, you, you have to. I, uh, I, I, I try not to be... Uh, any more of a big deal than I actually am. I just wrote a book. That's all I did. I'm trying to help. And um, uh, I have friends that have written books too, and they always put bestseller in front of their name. And I'm like, I'm really not ready for that. I haven't, and the signing of books, which is really weird. I haven't, I, you know, I launched it June 15th. So I haven't been at events yet where people would mm -hmm. say, will you sign it for me? I've, I've sent out a lot of signed copies, which I still find a little weird. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But when I have to, or get to, I should say, uh, sign them in person, uh, it's going to be a little weird, but it's cool. Yeah. I'm glad I wrote it. It's very helpful and uh, gets that stuff out of my brain and uh, hopefully uh, um, will help lots of people. Well, it's I'm on my list. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure. I'm reading it right now. Uh, and I'm a couple chapters in and I can already tell, uh, I mean, it's it's going to be invaluable information. Uh, what, what I love about this conversation we're going to have is Chris and I started our own businesses. Uh, we didn't didn't know it at the time back in 2014, and exiting it was not even remotely in our minds. Yeah. It was pure side hustle. Uh, you know, keep it, the wheels on the bus, keep, yeah. keep yeah. it going. Um, and for me, not I mean, really until this explosion of aggregators. That's kind of happened recently over the last couple of years was I even aware of it um and yeah. it's and now it's like you got I, I wish i i wish i'd had that knowledge back when i started um and that's what you help that's what you help people do 
Well, you got it now. That's the that's the key, that's right. right? Like when I I've I've started, I've built, bought, and sold six of my own businesses, and and not once when I on the day of launch did I think, okay, I'm going to plan my exit right now. That that's mm -hmm. just unless you've done it before, odds are it doesn't occur to you. All you're trying to do is, like you said, create a side hustle. Get rid of you know. Stop working for the man and and bootstrap your business and and just hustle and survive and keep as I said wheels on the bus. But once you've sold the business, you realize, holy, you know what? I, I, this is where I'm actually making most of my money is on the exit. I need to do this again. I need to do it right and more, more uh, legitimately larger, um, more planned out. Those types of things. So that that's what it's all about. But so don't ever kick yourself for not thinking about it back then because I, I didn't think about it either. Uh, I do now, right? So I am a partner at Quiet Light Brokerage and I I, I have to walk the walk, right? So mm -hmm. I can't just tell you guys to think about it. I have to think about my own. Uh, and and so it's, you know, it's it's an, an inevitability that I'm going to exit out of at least my role at quiet light because you know I'm, I'm human i'm gonna i'm gonna move on someday from this earth and uh i've got to think about the exit mm -hmm. well that was the right right in the front of your book there was a, a quote or a stat or i'm not sure i was but the 50 percent of the money you make in your business will be on the day that you sell your business it was something. Am I quoting that right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's actually for the majority of sellers, at least fifty percent. Yeah, comes the day you sell your business. So you guys, you know, if you're for any FBA business owner, it's particularly true because if you're growing like crazy, you're taking the majority of the cash from the business and putting it right back into what? Yep, right back into the business. Right back into the business. Right, right trying to you know keep up with inventory demands, uh, and so you don't get to take a whole lot of cash flow out. Uh, and when you do, when you do, you're actually taxed at personal income taxes. When you sell the business, you're taking out three, four, five years worth of uh, discretionary earnings out of it, not cash flow. Discretionary earnings much higher, and you're paying lower taxes as well. You're paying capital gains taxes, so you win in multiple ways. I give an example. Maybe you haven't gotten to it yet, but I give an example. I do the math. I lay it out. If you've got a four-year-old FBA business, uh, what you're going to be left with after a four-year exit versus holding the business during those four years. And it's, I think it's something like four and a half times as much money on the exit than uh, by operating it. And I think it's especially true today in the space you guys are in to, to, to get these details right because the aggregators are flattering you like crazy, right? Yeah. Man, your business is amazing. It's exactly what we want. We'll pay all cash. We'll close in 30 days, you know, and, and they'll, they'll talk about the multiple. So you got to get your yourself prepared for that onslaught of emails and how to uh, negotiate with them and, 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 and work to make sure you're getting the, the best deal possible and the best deal structure possible, right? Because they're full of it when they say they're going to give you all cash because they're not. Uh, and <laughs> there's there's terms that they've made up and ways they're going to negotiate with you. And, and that's, you haven't got to, I think that's all chapter 15. Um, but that's not the first chapter to read. The first chapter to read would probably be the, the one on addbacks because that just blows most people's mind. That's chapter 11. Dive into that a little bit. Addbacks. Yeah. So I was on a, I was on a, uh, an AMA last week for a, a company called the acquisition lab. It's actually calling my Walker Diable that runs it. And these are people that are, are trying to buy a business. So I'm talking about, you know, they, we dive into ad backs and asking all sorts of questions. And I give you the example of your cashback monies from your credit cards. 
right? You guys buy stuff with a mm -hmm. credit card, you get cash back and it goes over to your personal account or you have rewards, right? That you just use the rewards when you are furnishing a, a new new townhome that you bought or, or traveling to an event, you spend that money using rewards or you travel using the rewards. When you sell your business to an aggregator, odds are you don't put the cash back money or the equivalent of it in the ad back schedule, right? Net mm -hmm. income is not what your business is sold as a multiple of. It's a sold as a multiple of discretionary earnings. The formula for that is net income plus ad backs equals discretionary earnings. And in this particular case, that person um, had about uh, 12,000 cash back money on an annual basis. And he was so proud and excited to tell the buyer of his, he, he just sold the business for about a three time multiple. And he was so excited to tell the buyer of the business how to use cash back credit cards and get more money and use the, all this other stuff. And during the AMA, he's like, Joe, you're, you're pissing me off. I can't believe this. I'm like, what did I say? He goes, I just, I, I sold my business. I didn't do anything about the ad backs. I didn't do anything about the cash back credit cards. I gave him a $30,000 uh, instant equity in my business because I didn't do that ad back. So 12,000 is more like 36,000. That's just one example of where people screw up on uh, going this alone, which is okay. People are going to go alone, right? I've sold one on my own, two, one on my own. Um, and it's just what you do, right? We're entrepreneurs. We have that, I can do that mentality. It gets us where we are today, but gets us in trouble sometimes too. Um, sure. So it's okay, but it's all in there, whether it's, you know, being a member of a mastermind group that, that, that doesn't transfer to an owner, a new owner, especially if you're selling to an aggregator. If you spend a couple of hundred bucks a month on a mastermind group, that's an ad back. That's $2,400 a year times the three or four time multiple that you might get for the business. That's 10 grand right there. My son goes to NC State. That pays for half of the year, right? Yeah. It all adds up, and you need to go through each and every line item to make sure you're getting maximum value when you sell the business. The aggregators are not going to do that for you. They're going to come up with a, a bottom line number that suits them and based upon what you give them. So you got to really dig deep in the ad backs. There's 18 different examples that I give in the book. Those this is all new to me. Yeah, that, those two That's examples right there, I never would have thought so of. I'm speaking a, a total foreign language then. Sorry. I no, like the, the oh. ad backs, like I, like, I, I didn't even that. think of that. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that to me, I wouldn't have considered putting that into the valuation. Right. That, right. that is it's fascinating. Oh, there's so many, there's so many there. You know, I, I, I did one a few years ago, uh, the, the most impactful one where um, the, the owner of the business had renegotiated cost of goods sold. Well, let me ask you a different question. If you're selling a business to an aggregator and your cost of goods sold go up by a dollar a unit six months prior to selling and you sell a thousand units a month, is the aggregator going to say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, cogs have gone up. We need to adjust for the new reality in the prior six months and uh, change the value of your business by $6,000 times the multiple. So $18,000 different. We need to reduce what you're looking for by $18,000 or what we agreed upon by $18,000 because they discovered in due diligence that your cogs went up. If they did that, they would, they would be absolutely just and right in, in asking for that. The exact opposite is true. So if you renegotiate your cost of goods sold in the 12 months prior to selling your business, you can put that in an ad back schedule. So I did this for somebody hit, it, it was actually four months prior to selling his business. 
Um, so it was long enough and it was about a buck 80 a unit and he was selling thousands of units a month. So we went in the first eight months. And again, this is when you run a profit and loss statement in QuickBooks or zero, export it to Excel. Bottom number is net income, right? And then you put an add back schedule below that. Uh, and we added back, we did a formula for the total number of units sold by month for the first eight months. And it added about $54,000 to the total discretionary earnings. And we sold his business for a 3.3 multiple. So it was like 170,000 or so added to the list price of his business. He had multiple offers. It was black and white, math and logic. There was no arguing with it. It's not fuzzy math. It's not gray. You don't want to get gray on the ad backs. It needs to be black and white because you get into gray areas and you kind of erode trust. And trust is really everything when you're selling your business. Would that would that be one of the five critical steps to negotiating with aggregators that we're uh, going to talk about today? Is that one of them, or is that just a whole another nugget that's just another add-on? It's it's definitely part of it. That's that's what I'd say is 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 number two more than anything else. It's it's calculating properly calculating your discretionary earnings and firming up the actual value of your business. Most people don't understand how to calculate sellers' discretionary earnings, and they lose tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in the process of selling. So everybody that's listening that you know has received an email from an aggregator and all of your friends guys need to understand how to calculate sales discretionary earnings if they choose to sell to an aggregator directly. But before they do that, they really need to back up and do something really, really simple. And that's set an exit goal. That's what most of us don't do. I'm doing that now, right? Because I've been through this six times, built, bought, sold. Um, and on my next exit, I have a, I already have a dollar figure in mind. I have a date and I have a feeling. How do I want to feel when I exit? I want total relief because all this burden that I carry is off my shoulders and I can spend more time with my family. Uh, I have a dollar amount in mind and I have a specific date in mind. As I'm moving towards that goal, if I'm having a blast, I'll just move the goalpost. It's okay. It doesn't matter. But if I don't set that goal, statistically, it's proven that I'm less likely to achieve it. And when I get an email from an aggregator telling me how wonderful my brand is and how they're going to close in 30 days and what a big multiple they're going to pay me, if I'm having a really bad day or a really bad week, which kind of happens as an entrepreneur, um, I'm going to be vulnerable. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be open to listening to what they say. And it's probably not going to be in alignment with my goals, especially if I hadn't written them down. So I would get a clear objective on your goals, and then you calculate the actual value of your business. You might need to get some help with that, but once you understand the true value of your business today, now you know how close or how far you are from your goal, right? That mm -hmm. will help you get over those horrible days that we have, right? Just when you don't even <laughs> want to open your email and you just want to tell the world to go to hell, right? Um, <laughs> that that makes those hurdles and 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 potholes very easy to get over and around that and that's a weird thing when i uh, over the yeah i've been doing this for a decade and i've talked to thousands of entrepreneurs i've gone through this process with them and they they actually they're exhausted emotionally toast and ready to move on but then when we go through this process they get passionate again about the business and motivated and excited and and then they they hold off which is great because when they hold off they're going to achieve you know, a higher value for them and a better exit someday. So it's really kind of cool. But those are the first two. You got to set some goals. Then you got to figure out where you are today, how close or how far you are from those goals. And if you set that goal, you can reverse engineer it your way to that goal. Exactly. 
lot of times, I mean, I'm guilty. If I'm goalless, I'm just kind of maneuvering around, taking whatever. Oh, this tiny object looks good over here. This, yep. you know, you're just responding to emails all day or something like that, right? That's yeah. how it feels most of the time. But yeah. if you think about it in simple terms that we all use, uh, whether you use Apple Maps or Google Maps, but if I want to go to Boise, Idaho, and I put that in as my destination, if Google does not know where I am today, it's not going to help me get there. So you got to figure mm-hmm. out where you are today. It's, that's the thing that most people miss, right? They may set a goal. Uh, I want to sell my business for a million dollars is not a good enough goal. It needs to be, I want to sell my business for a million dollars on January uh, in, in Q1, let's say, give you plus or minus three months in Q1, 2023. And I want to feel this way. And then you figure out exactly where you are today. So if you are at a hundred thousand in discretionary earnings now, you get a ways to go. But if you're growing at 30% year over year, you can see that you're going to get there in 18 months, you know, those types of things. So it's pretty cool to do that, that exercise. It gives me great peace of mind when I do it for myself. And, and I know that for uh, when I do it for others as well. That's something I need to do better of. Like, I just get caught in the mix of, you know, checking the listings, create new products, lots of new products, check my PPC, check images. But I don't have, I know I want to sell it someday, but I don't have this dollar, this when I want to exit and this feeling figured out. Yeah, dollar, date, and feeling. Yeah, I need to get that. I got this dry race board over here that's just calling my name right now. So I can <laughs> run all that out. But I need to get that figured out. It's the easiest thing in the world. Right? Mm-hmm. Dollar date and feeling. You, you may need to do some math on the feeling. You know, for myself, that's what I'm thinking of is 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 the math math on the feeling, the math on the number. You know, um, how much do I really want from the business if I'm if I'm gonna exit someday? Um, and then, and then you got to figure out ballpark numbers on taxes, right? So how big is this exit going to be? What am I going to pay in taxes? It depends upon where you live in the country, if you're paying state capital gains taxes or not. Uh, so you got to, you could play with that number a little bit, but it's exciting when you put that up on the board and, and statistically, again, you are much more likely to achieve it. And statistically, again, those that actually write these goals down are going to be, you know, I forget what it is by Harvard. It's something like 14 times more successful than the average person that doesn't write those goals down. What, what life stage or life cycle of the business do you typically start working with people? Are people coming to you like before they even start something to get a framework or, no. or right before they're about to sell yeah. or somewhere in the middle? It's it's combination of the last two, you know, never before they've started a business because there's not really a whole lot to work with there, um, but more of 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 somewhere in the middle. People that call and say, "Look, I'm ready. I want to I want to move on. I, I, I'm ready." Those are the conversations that I'd rather back up six months or twelve months so that I can help them more, right? And 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 have them reverse engineer path to this goal that they're setting but they come to me and they're emotionally toast and exhausted. They feel over leveraged and they just need to get out because they're not sleeping at night. Um, that's still going to take some time. It's going to, you know, I, I think year to date in 2021, the average transaction time is something like 89 days from listing to closing. So it's still going to take some time. It doesn't happen instantaneously. This idea that, that, um, you know, um, an aggregate is going to, you know, close in 30 days is uh, fictitious. It's, nine times out of 10 going to take longer than that, 45 days plus or minus. And when I say our average is closer to 90, it's because we're doing some 25, $30 million deals as well. 
anything in the sub $2 million deals is going to move fairly quickly. Uh, but you know, look, uh, I'd say 12 to 24 months prior to closing would be brilliant. Six is okay. Um, three is even okay, but it's not going to help you get maximum value and the best deal structure when you do exit. So the sooner, the better. Um, and age of the business, it's okay. You know, if you're 12 months in and you're thinking, I want to get out in 12 to 24 months, meaning after the business is 24 to 36 months old, I think that's a great time. Um, anything, anything younger than 24 months when a buyer looks at it and wants to buy it generally has a bit of a discount because it's a, it's a higher risk because it's a little bit younger. <clears throat> Absolutely. So you start can... out, hold on for two years and just flip it, flip it, flip it, flip it. Or, um, you said the multiple is a little bit higher risk. I'm a, we just talked to an aggregator and they were saying that they've got multiple, they've got a, a seller that comes to them multiple times and sold five businesses to them. Yeah. And, and yeah. so I'm imagining that's let's turn and burn, like start it, get out and move on and keep going. Bootstrap, grow, sell, repeat, bootstrap, grow, sell, repeat. You make more money on the exit in that situation. If you're, if you've got a 24 month old business, if you're really good at what you do, you can grow that and exit for a million bucks in 24 months easily but you're not going to take a million bucks out in that 24 months. It's just not going to happen, right? You'll probably take nothing out in that 24 month period. And so if you do that every two years and maybe even six months prior to exiting the first one, you've started the second, you're, you're at a cycle where you're making, you know, a million bucks every 24 months, which is pretty solid. If you can do multiple brands at the same time, because you just are that skilled and you've got the team and resources even better. So I think there's a great opportunity to do exactly what you said, you know, that aggregator uh, uh, has a client that's doing that, sold five to them. I think it's a great opportunity to build these businesses and exit. And the question is that I often get is, how long is this going to last? Yeah. Look, there's hundreds, there's billions of dollars that have been raised and new players get into the space all the time. So I think it's going to be around for a while. We see, we'll see some consolidation of aggregators. But, you know, we've seen we've we've never seen multiples for FBA businesses as high as they are today. And I don't think we've hit the ceiling because they're all competing uh, with each other over the same business. We, we've had an average of, of like four and a half offers on every listing year to date, every wow. FBA business. We do SaaS content, other stuff, too. But four and a half offers on every listing. The majority have gone at or over asking price as well. So there's there's still room to grow there. And it feels like it goes like private investors. And then like Wall Street comes in and, and now you got like, they're, they're waiting to see how it really proved out. Like the, the little guy, the little investors, and now we got big money coming in. And, and is that what you're seeing too? Yeah. I mean, y years ago, buying an FBA business was so risky, right? Oh no, no, we can't think it. That's high risk where you can only pay a low multiple. Uh, I used to list things at 2.74. So it would round down to 2.75. That's how sensitive buyers were. Uh, and then 101 Commerce was the first aggregator of, of you know, any, any name of recognition, but they didn't succeed. Their goal was to buy 20, no, 101 FBA businesses in 24 months. They ended up buying 13 and then sold to Goja. Thras obviously did the model, did it well. Um, Carlos and Josh are very likable, very well funded. Uh, it's hard not to like them. And that's why people have given them billions of dollars at this point or hundreds of millions of dollars at this point. Um, but there's there's going to be some more competition and more growth there for sure. Do you see, I'm assuming you do, when, when sellers come to you, if they're actually on the wrong side of the trajectory. They're actually going down mm -hmm. and they're just trying to get out. Yep. Does that ever, a simple call or a simple analysis of their business, 
you said that sometimes they get re-energized and come back and they want to do it again. Do you ever see that just come back around on them and then they come back and sell it again? Like, is that a negative where you go up and you come down a little bit and it didn't sell? So then they got re-energized and they came back up and then they sold it. Like, does that dip down previously affect their multiple? I, honestly, I think it shows how resilient the business can be and, and shows a, a buyer that it's okay. There's going to be dips, but you know, when you focus and you put the time in and do the right things, the business can grow. Um, anything that's just continually up, it's great, right? Buyers are still going to buy that and probably pay a strong multiple for it. Um, but when there's a dip in the history of the business, as long as there's a good logical reason for it, and sometimes it's a death or divorce or some emotional thing in your life, um, and you just took your eye off the ball, more often than not, it's that. Uh, and then there's, of course, the competition and whatnot. It, it, all you do is explain it and what you did to solve the problem. Sometimes it's get more focused and sometimes it's get more defensible. Uh, and I think it's a great story to tell. I personally love those stories because it shows how resilient the business can be. That's a that's a really good way to look at it. And it ties into what you were talking about before is that you've got people coming to you and they're like at the end of their rope. They're they're done. They're ready to sell. And that's probably like across the board, the worst time to sell is when you're, you know, totally frustrated with it because um, probably things aren't going very well. But to, to dovetail it into get the re-energizing and that can be that can be shown as a positive that. But like you just like you said that 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 business can bounce back and that probably told the right way can be attractive to to buyers. Yeah, yeah I talk about it in the book. There's a, a young lady named Lee. She came to this country when she was like 15 years old. Didn't speak English. She had two sisters. They didn't speak English. Her mother didn't speak English. They had two hundred dollars to their name. Um, by the time she was 33, she had an FBA business that I had listed for her, and it, it was around a, a four hundred fifty thousand dollar listing. And I had, her husband was being uh, transferred to Japan, so they needed to sell. There were some problems in the business, geographic dependency problems, <clears throat> uh, but buyers were still interested. And we're three weeks in and uh, her husband's transfer fell through. And so she said, Joe, I, I can't sell it now. I'm going to go ahead and fix those things that you talked about. It only took her 18 months to fix those and make the business better. And we sold the business uh, for about $750,000. So by double. fixing... Yeah, by fixing fixing some of those things, getting excited about it, you know, she made you know an extra three hundred three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. She closed just before COVID hit, and her and her husband uh, went to South Korea to one of the safest places they could find pre-COVID, and 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 spent six six months there raising their 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 children before they came back to the states. So it gives that gives that freedom and flexibility. He was able to you know work remotely, and it just. Uh, I don't know. You, you focus on it and you do come back, Chris. You, you, you grow the business and, um, you know, fix those things that are wrong and get, get reinvigorated. And ultimately, you know, the amount of money that you can make over a short period of time because the growth of the business it, times the multiple is just, you know, it's, it's, it's math that definitely works in your, your favor. Well, for anybody who's listening who hasn't read the best-selling book, uh, The Exitpreneur's <laughs> Playbook, uh, that I mean, I was just so energized by reading those stories. The first part of your book, you just walk through stories like that of successful exits and also stories of things that didn't go right or missed opportunities. Um, and you know, I call them epic failures. That's okay. Yeah. It, it is what they are. <laughs> yes, epic failures. But I think is 
I mean, selling at the wrong time obviously can can be detrimental. Um, or what about waiting too long to sell? That can also probably be a, be a problem. Also, if you're not continuously putting in the same level of work into your business. I yeah, mean, that, yeah, for sure. You know, um, for an FBA business, it's sort of the exception rather than the rule. Waiting too long usually. Too long as a business that is using outdated code like Dreamweaver and things of that nature, in in the in the third party platform space, um, too long might be that it, it's the unpredictable stuff, right? So the Chinese competition came in and and uh, you know took your listings to page five, or you have a product that is you know going obsolete, right? So you've got a wireless no, I'm sorry, you've got a plug in charger system, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you can plug in multiple devices. How long is that going to be around before wireless completely replaces everything with a core? That that type of fear of obsolescence, that's kind of waiting too long. But more than anything else, the waiting too long is 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 emotional. That's why that uh, date do dollars and feeling thing is really really important to set. Well, I got that written down here. It's definitely going on the board as soon as this podcast is over. Because I think that just makes a lot of sense. Like I want to feel like this. I want to exit at this date. I want this dollar amount. Now go, now scale it. My so my phone number's in the bottom of my email. Oh, I, I already got you. Picture yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> um, yeah. How important is a brand when exiting? Like, you know, is the brand, like Dustin has a brand, I have a brand. Um, let's say we're doing similar dollar amount, but Dustin has more opportunity with his brand, more product opportunity. It's like, does that make a difference or... Is it just solely on the product? What's that? Like? Mean, are we talking about a a brand like a you know Dustin's Grilling Aprons versus you've got a seller account full of a variety of different mini brands that are unrelated? Is yeah. that what we're talking well, about? I, that's a great question too. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. That's okay. Okay. So once upon a time, not so long ago, um, if you were the guy with a brand, you're going to get a lot more money for the business because it's just something that people could understand more and connect with more and, you know, take that brand off of, uh, you know, Amazon beyond that third party platform to all the other platforms. And, you know, the big win, which is an awful win, which is big box stores and retail, things of that nature. All you got to do is watch Shark Tank to realize that our world that we live in, in e-commerce is actually the great, the greatest world that there is. Mm -hmm. um, so in today's world though, uh, now um, it's, they're equal. Right. As long as there's a balance of risk, of growth, of the transferability of the business, of, of the documentation, um, and the growth opportunities for each are equal, then the value of them, I think, would, would both be equal, especially if we're talking about an FBA business, because there's going to be plenty of competition. If you create the competition, which is one of the four, uh, one of the five things we talk about negotiating with aggregators is creating competition. I think they're, I think they're equal. Uh, that wasn't the case four years ago, but it's definitely equal today. How important does social media pro profiles, Instagrams, Facebooks, YouTube channels, does that have anything to do with it at all? Like, does that add any type of multiple? No. To the program? Okay. No, but what it will do is instill confidence in your buyer that you're a good person, right? So if you're, you know, doing shots and funnels and you get your shirt off on the beach with a bunch of bikini clad women or vice versa. If you're the woman doing those and guys don't have their pants on, take those down, grow up, change that profile because buyers are going to give you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. 
and they want to make sure that they're they're giving it to somebody that's building a, a solid business, right? You know, you as the business owner needs to shift their mindset from building a business for yourself so that you exit at maximum value to building a great business for a great buyer to take over at a great price. And they have to believe in you and trust in you in order to do that. If they don't trust you, they're not going to give you maximum value and they're probably going to give you a crappy deal structure and say they need an earn out uh, because of the risk of the business. And you're that person holding the business together. You're the mortar of what we call the four pillars. Um, and if you don't do a good job on your own social media profile, then it's going to raise that risk and erode trust. But, you know, your if you're an FBA business, that the social media stuff doesn't matter as much unless, and it's not going to add to the multiple, by the way, unless you are launching new products with your social media outlets and it's helping you launch them less expensively. But that's going to be in the bottom line numbers. So I can't say, well, yeah, you do that. You've got this system. You've got great you know, uh, social media presence. Therefore, we're going to add a, add, add a half a point. We're, we're not going to do that because it's adding to the bottom line number because you've got higher profits because you're able to launch products more cheaply and it's going to add to the overall dollar value for your business anyway. Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud because like, you know, we spend time on building your brand profiles. We spend time, we spend time on building email marketing list. We spend time on building messenger list. Like if that has no place in the multiple, it's just wasting time. No, no, no. It does have a place because it's driving what? Revenue. Okay. Mm -hmm. And reducing what? Your costs. Cost. So your bottom line dollar number, your discretionary earnings, hopefully your margin is going to be higher. Got so it. it's all, all of that work plays into the total value of your business through the multiple. But you can't say... Uh, I have an email list of 670 people or 670,000 people or 67,000 people and and say it's worth a half a point more because of that. Gotcha. Because it's already built into the multiple because that email list drives traffic, drives revenue, and drives the bottom line number, which is part of the multiple. So it's already built in. Gotcha. How about how important is it if if you've built out your – if you have like VAs or – softwares or teams where you're outsourcing more and more and more of your own business. So the business operates like with your, with your SOPs that you've set up, it operates well without you Yeah. versus if like the whole reason it's successful is like i my PPC, my, my immaculate PPC knowledge that I'm doing every day on my campaigns yeah. and without me, that's going to be different. It do our buyers just putting them into their own systems anyway, so they don't really care that much about that? Or would they would they be bringing on that team as well if you've got that all built out where you don't, you're you not needed as much for your business? Yeah, if your only goal is to sell to an aggregator, they're, they're going to have their own team. But they're not going to pay you as much for mm -hmm. it if you're just selling to one aggregator. So it, that's that goes to the transferability of the business, right? If, you, if, if you're the driver of the revenue and I'm buying your business, I'm sorry, but I need you to stick around for a longer training and transition period. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to stick around for a much longer time because what's in your head is a unique skill. I don't know how to do PPC like you do, so you're going to have to you're going to have to teach me. Hopefully, you've got lots of SOPs written down, right? Right, and and that's going to instill confidence and trust, and that goes to the documentation pillar. But yeah, the 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 ideal situation is sure outsource all of it to a team that's fully transferable. Mm. And, 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 you know, work 10 to 20 hours a week. That is going to be a more attractive business to a broader range of buyers. Your multiple is going to be higher 
You're going to have more people competing against each other for the business. And it's either going to get you asking price or above asking price and with a better deal structure. You may just simply get all cash versus the other guy. There's complications to it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, he's got a special skill. Is that transferable? Do I have to hire somebody for that? That's going to cost me money. It cost me $20,000 a year. Well, I'm paying a four-time multiple. I'm going to take 80000 off the list. There's all sorts of complications to get into it with that kind of stuff. Make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's very interesting because I, you know, a lot of times you think about these aggregators as being the buyers, but there's a whole slew of buyers out there. There's there's families that are buying, there's small yeah. firms that are buying, and, and it, like transferability is something I've thought a lot of uh, in terms of building that more out inside inside my business, for sure. Yeah. There's so many more buyers than just the aggregators, right? And even if your goal is to sell your business to an aggregator, at least be smart about it, right? And do you guys know anybody that's ever been on Shark Tank? I don't think so. No. We've sold multiple Shark Tank brands. We've got a guy on our team that currently has a deal with Robert, a company called uh, Happy Feet or buyhappyfeet.com, Pat. Um, and, and and what happens is you, you've you seen the show, right? Of course. The, the, the music plays and they march into the Shark Tank, right? And there's four or sometimes five sharks there. Mm-hmm. But when you get an email from an aggregator that says, love your business, we close in 30 days, pay all cash, we pay a six-time multiple. Sounds too good to be true, so it is too good to be true. But mm-hmm. it's like walking into the shark tank, that music is pumping, you're ready to pitch your brand, and everybody calls in sick except for Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> why, why in the world would you do that? You need to create competition amongst, if all your goal is to sell to aggregators, you need to co- create competition amongst the aggregators and make sure that you're selling to, you know, presenting to lots of them, and they all know it in a polite, professional way, that they're competing against each other, and they need to make their best offer with the best possible deal structure. If they don't, if they, if they're, re- I've seen this, I've seen this happen, right? We're, we're doing a, we do a, we do a video series called Quiet Giants. You can just search for it on YouTube, Quiet Light, Quiet Giants. We, uh, we sold a business for somebody um, for about five and a half million dollars recently. Well, this person uh, got this typical email from an aggregator, love your business, great brand. Best offer they could make was $2.6 million. Okay. It was, it was, sounded like a good price for the business, but she said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I need to talk to Chuck at Quietly and see what we can do. Put the package together saw the real value of the business. He had seven offers. It went for over asking price. And she got five and a half all cash for the business because she created that you know competitive environment where they were bidding against each other, right? So can't think of all the shark's name right now, but Mark <laughs> and Mr. Wonderful and Laura, Robert. Robert Lori. Yeah, thank Lori. you, Lori. They're all competing against each other and you've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. They, they they make they bid bid higher and they make they offer better deal structures. If you sell to one aggregator, you're selling to Mr. Wonderful in a royalty deal, and it's not going to work. Just going to say well the royalty us. deal. <laughs> right? If he's the only one, there's always a royalty deal, right? In it. And 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 your business, for the most part, everybody listening, the business that they own right now is very likely their most valuable asset. So number one, why would you? sell it to just one person, what presented to just one. 
number two, you, you want to get maximum value for it. So you know, look, the Exopreneur's Playbook takes everything out of my head and puts it on paper and is a great resource to help you if you're going to sell your business on your own. My advice, though, when it comes down to the end of the day, it's your most valuable asset. And why in the world would you risk selling it on your own when you don't do that? Mm-hmm. You run e-commerce businesses. You don't get maximum value when you sell them. You know, if you've done it once or twice or three times, have at it. You've got you've got some experience, um, and you can understand uh, the processes. But if, you know, if 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 you know any CEOs of Fortune 500 companies or only any of the shares of them, and they say, "Okay, we're going to sell," and yeah, I got this, I got it, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm not going to hire an M and A firm. <laughs> You'd be like, "What the hell's wrong with that person?" <laughs> You know, but you put yourself in those shoes with what is your greatest asset. So at the very least, the book helps me reach more people and educate more people and helps them understand the values of what they have. And if they're going to go it on their own, at least not make as many mistakes as they would if they didn't have this as a resource. But ultimately, I, I do believe that they should use an experienced advisor. Well, it's such a big moment. Like when you decide to exit, you don't want to short yourself. And so you got to be able to have somebody in your corner like yourself where they could say, hey, look, you can get this maximum dollar amount or do this to your uh, listings or whatever it is to create the maximum exit because you don't want to cut yourself too short. Well, it's there's so much that goes into it. Uh, Just going back to the conversation about ad backs, right? You can learn that to chapter 11. I actually give away chapter 11 for free at at exopreneur.io. So just grab it. Anybody that doesn't want to spend the 20 bucks on a book, shame on you, but go ahead and and get the free chapter. It's there for you. I also give away chapter 15, which is really, really critical because it's, 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 it's deal structures and negotiating deal structures. And it's, it's what you're going to have an onslaught of from the aggregators when they make an offer that's, you know, all cash. It's, it's probably not going to be all cash, but there's different terms there. One of them is a a stability payment. I I would encourage everybody listening and you guys to Google stability payment. Uh, You won't, it won't come up. Right? It doesn't exist. They created it. Um, what it really is is an earnout. Bottom line, they took they took a scary word or two like earnout, which nobody wants to sell their business and and have an earnout, and they they turned it into a stability payment. And what is that? Hey, look, you got a great business. All I'm trying to do is protect myself, so I'm going to hold back 10% of this all cash purchase price. And it, it, it's going to be an escrow. And in 12 months, it will be released to you if revenues are at 90% of where they were prior to closing. But you got to wait 12 months for that. Mm. So, you know, if you are selling the business for a million bucks, they're going to hold back 200,000 in some cases. And you just got to be prepared for that. That's why you want to have multiple aggregators competing against because you could say, you know, throw that one off the table because this guy's not doing it. Um, and if they're all doing it, at the very least, you're going to be smart enough to say, well, what happens if, if I'm at 89.99%? Right, you screwed. You lose 200000 No, you, ha- you create a sliding scale. But here's the thing. Have you guys, have you guys ever run out of inventory? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Do you think an aggregator is ever going to run out of inventory when they buy your business? Sure. Yeah. Yes. So what happens if they run out of inventory? and you're at 95% of that 90% goal, and they run out of inventory for three weeks, are you out $200,000? You're screwed, right? So there needs to be a clause that you add to the stability payment or any earnout or anything like that that says, you know, that's goal-oriented, right? So 
if it's a revenue, if you're going to earn based upon revenue, all of the terms that they're going to throw at you, it's an earn out. Um, that if they run out of XYZ skew for XYZ period of time, all bets are off. You you just you owe me all the money because you didn't manage it properly. I can't or get suspended. I'm assuming. Oh well, yeah, well, get suspended for sure because it's we know well we know it's going to get suspended. But if it gets suspended because of something stupid that they did, yeah. and it hurts you, yes, you should get paid in full, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there should be nothing that has you not getting paid if they screw up, right? And that was historically the fear of earnouts. What they've done is first, they're very, very intelligent, likable, charming, kind, funny. Um, complimentary people. I like almost every aggregator I've ever spoken to. I want to have dinner with them. I want to have a beer with them. You know, I want to go fishing with them. That's how likable they are. That's why people give them millions of dollars and why they're able to offer you all cash, funky deal structures that are not all cash and, and turn a word like earnout into a stability payment into, you know, a profit sharing plan. It's an earnout. It's not a profit sharing. It's an earnout, and I go through all of that, all the different types of deal structures. In uh, I think it's chapter fifteen, and you can just read that and get prepared for it because it is going to happen to you. But if you have multiple aggregators looking at your business and you're negotiating with all of them, that's you know step number one after you do some of the others. But understanding the different types of deal structures and terms is really really critical if you're going to go about this either on your own or learning it before you you know, end up going down the path with an advisor as well. It's really important. Where are you seeing multiples go recently? I, I, know, I know like two up. and a half, three. Are we going, are we going, up. are we getting to crazy spots? <laughs> um, in some cases, yes. Right. So uh, Chuck on our team sold a pet business uh, in Q1 that it was only doing about $200,000, $210,000 in discretionary earnings, not a real big business. Um, then the normal multiple for that, you know, maybe three and a half, four times, maybe because it had recurring revenue, multiple channels of income. Um, it was selling to, um, Chewy. That? Chewy, thank you. Recurring revenue from Chewy and longstanding history of it. So it was going for a higher than normal multiple. It ended up selling for something like close to seven times. That's the exception rather than the rule. But multiples are going up, no question. And again, three, four years ago, I wouldn't go above 2.74 with a listing. Today, if it's below three, the business is probably one of those ones that's trending down and might have a single hero skew and is only 18 months old. But most of the most of the numbers start with a three and go up from there. The size, size of the business matters, right? A business that's doing a million in discretionary earnings versus one that's doing 100,000 in discretionary earnings is worth more because it's bigger, it's more diverse, it's less risk. When it's less risk, the multiple should go higher. Product roadmap. We all have them. We all have ideas of what we're going to launch. It may not give us, we have like projections on like, okay, if I launch this product now in four months, I'm going to be at 20 more thousand dollars a month in revenue. Like does product roadmap have any like play into that multiple? Yeah. So what it does is it increases confidence in your buyer and your buyer is going to pay a higher value for the business because they see that they know where to take it. They're not buying an ATM machine where they're just going to take money out. They're looking for 
growth and a positive return on their investments. And so a product roadmap is critically important, but take that one step further and launch some of those products in the trailing 12 months prior to selling your business. That's a built-in path to growth. So I sold a business a few years ago. Uh, is actually, this was a 24-month-old business. He had launched, I think it was six, no, seven SKUs. He had a total of 16 SKUs. And he had launched seven in the six months prior to listing the business for sale. Those seven SKUs already represented 20% of the total revenue. And so they were, you know, at launch, you're losing money for a month yeah. or two and then and then break even and growing. These were very low cost SKUs that took off fairly quickly. But that's what I would call a built-in path to growth. They've already been launched and all it takes to have them grow is let time pass. Yeah. Right. So that's really exciting for buyers. Um, that along with the 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 product launch future, the pathway that uh, they can go down with new products, especially if it's you know with the same manufacturer. Does that manufacturer have additional products to launch that are in the same family? Is always a question that buyers want to know the answer to. So yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Is, is there one category, or is there one category that just takes off like that? Is it guarantee sell? Yeah, generally, it's a, if if I had to pick one that historically sells quickly and at a higher multiple than almost any other category, it would be the pet space. Anything in the pet niche. What People are just passionate is? about their pets. Yeah. Gosh, it's crazy. Yeah. People are passionate about their pets. <laughs> they don't buy anything and spend high money on it. Mm -hmm. uh, is is like baby or any of that similar for the well, same? It, yeah. So reasons? no. No, I, I, they like, I, I, pets, they like pets I, more than their kids. <laughs> I, they like pets more than kids. And the problem with kids is that, you know, sometimes like I sold a, can't remember the name of the, the type of product it was, but it, it was something that the baby put in their mouth, mm -hmm. right? Which, which increases, you know, liability and risk to the buyer. And maybe it's an unfound, uh, unsubstantiated fear, but that fear, you know, keeps their wallet a little tighter and they're not going to, pay as much for the business because the risk associated with something that, you know, a baby puts in their mouth, if it's manufactured in China, what kind of, what kind of, of testing and studies have you done to make sure that that product is safe and that type of thing? Mm -hmm. So um, I'd say, I'd say pet number one, it's interesting, you know, uh, when I, I sold my last e-commerce business in 2010 and it was a supplement company and supplements have a bad name, a bad rap, generally mm -hmm. speaking, right? It's low barriers to entry. You can buy a case of them, slap your own label on it, and off you go. But it's hard to really grow the business and maintain it. But when you do, and you've got recurring revenue to it, that's exciting for buyers, especially now that Amazon actually has subscribe and save reports that you can see, you mm -hmm. know, predictability of, of revenue in the future. So, I, you know, that supplement side of things, even though there's a bit of a stigma to it, when you really get down to it, it's a business where the margins are amazing and it has recurring revenue to it. That's really attractive. Yeah. So those two things I would look at. So interesting. I, I can't wait to finish your book. I've, I'm telling you, anybody who's listening, it's, it's really well written. It's, it's, uh, easy to read too. So it's not like you're, it's not like it's getting, you get lost in like financial documents or anything like that. It's very easy to, to get through. Uh, I can't wait to, to finish it because I, this is going to help 
get me get the vision going in the right direction and get all the things in place that I need to to go. I mean, I, I think I think it's it's exciting talking about this stuff. I get I always get really pumped up when we talk about the potential for for exiting. Um, well, I love right? talking about it myself. You know, I can yeah. reach, I, well, and I, I I can reach more people via podcast, mm -hmm. via the book than I can one on one. And I've talked to you know. 8,000 people over the last nine years. It gets a little exhausting. So, <laughs> so maybe the that's book amazing. Is yeah, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, we've been yeah, talking for an hour already. I don't even feel like we've been I talking. I know. It's hard to believe. Uh, it, yeah. Time flies when, when you're having fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but right. we'll, we'll definitely, um, in the future, we'll have to get you back on because, I mean, things change in this landscape, and it's always nice to stay on top of, um, you know, what those changes are, what is changing. I mean, just – I mean, two and a half years ago, I mean, if you said the word aggregator, I wouldn't have known what you were talking about yeah. <laughs> in this space. I'm and all in. Uh, happy to come back on. I tell you right now, one of the changes that you're going to see is that the aggregators are going to start buying content sites. Why? Because content sites drive traffic to their Amazon set page and will help them sell more product. And then, and already, they're, they're going to buy you know Shopify stores and and whatnot mm -hmm. as well. They're not going to stick just to FBA because they can't. There's not enough to buy. Good quality ones to buy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so fun. It's it's fun to watch this unfold for it sure. Is, but, I agree. Yeah, well, we will definitely, definitely get you back on. This is uh, an amazing topic. It's great for everyone listening. We cannot thank you enough for coming on here. I need I encourage everyone to go buy the best-selling book, The Exitpreneur's Play, Playbook. Uh, on Amazon, where else can they buy? Is that that's best place to buy it? Yep. If they want to buy it, then go to Amazon. If they want to look at some material on it and and just review some of the chapters, go to exitpreneur.io. Um, they can get chapter eleven, chapter fifteen, and I think two other chapters as well. Uh, but again, it's twenty bucks. If you can't afford twenty bucks for a book that's going to change your financial future, then um, yeah. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just learning about adbacks was uh, good. That was good enough. Value right there. Yeah. Oh, uh, what you, about? You, yeah. What about if somebody wants to work with you? If someone's right now listening, they're in the process of thinking about selling their business in the near future, and they want to work with you, how can they get in touch with with you to get started? Yep, they can uh, get in touch with us either at exitpreneur.io. There's a valuation form that they can fill out and talk to one of the advisors or just go to quietlight.com, look at some of our listings, and then there's a valuation form there. It's called a discovery call. Uh, one of the advisors, all who have built, bought, or sold their own online business before joining the team, they have to have done that and have to have a great deal of experience in order to be able to be in this position. And they all, they all have, they'll help you. They'll do everything I've talked about on this call today. They'll ask questions. They'll um, try to firm up your seller's discretionary earnings a little bit on the call, give you a broad value range on the call, but they can't do it without looking at and you know, eventually looking at the details and looking at a proper profit and loss statement. If you need an e-commerce bookkeeper to help you with that, you can find it. Uh, there's some uh, partners, re referral partners at uh, exitpreneur.com. No, I say .com, but I didn't buy .com. It was $250,000. It's exitpreneur.io. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's lots of resources, individuals that you talk to both at Quiet Light or Exitpreneur. And you can find me at you know on LinkedIn.com. You can find me on Facebook, that kind of stuff as well. Well, everyone, if you're in, if you're thinking about this, you should absolutely be reaching out to Joe. Um, just listening to the, the stories that you told, the impact, you do not want to go this road alone. Uh, that's the 
the thing that I've realized for sure. You do not want to do that alone. So, all right, Joe, thanks so much for joining us. This has been an amazing conversation. We will get you back on. And thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you like content like this, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. You can also uh, subscribe to Saloza's Facebook page, LinkedIn page, YouTube channel. We go live every time we, we do these podcasts. So you can turn on notifications so you get notified when we go live with awesome people like Joe. Also, if you're running your own Amazon FBA business right now and you're struggling with your advertising with PPC, that's where Solozo can help. We can help automate and optimize your advertising for you. Uh, we, can, we can work with you. We also have fully managed accounts where we can manage yours for you. Just like Joe was talking about, make you more attractive because uh, it removes you from that part of your business that can operate without you. So if you'd like to learn more about Solozo, you can go to solozo.com right now. In the upper right-hand corner, you can book a demo and you'll get on a call with either Chris or myself and we'll walk you through the entire platform and show you how Solozo can help automate and optimize your ads. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Joe, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good one.